0: thank you david i don't know what you um how you find it remembering conversations of friends from maybe a few years ago Um, about 12 years ago i was a a p teacher and i remember two conversations i had with my head teacher i had many more but these are just the two that i remember Um, and uh, the first one was a bit embarrassing because uh, it was an open evening and i hadn't met him yet and um, we were just sort of preparing for families to come and view the school Uh, and as I did that I saw this man approach and so I just in a very informal friendly approachable way said oh hi what's your name Um, have you you got a child that's coming to the school and he said well yes uh, I I actually am uh, the new head teacher and suddenly I felt like as this NQT teacher or whatever I was this new young teacher like I had approached the new headmaster in, in quite a um, you know assuming unassuming way but in, a, in an appropriate way I should have been a bit more aware of who he was and his important status and the second conversation I remember having with him was when he interviewed me for an acting head of year role now he had already said that I should apply for this he said that i had uh, dis- displayed the traits required for the role. He'd give me assurance that it was pretty much a done deal, but I needed to be interviewed. Not sure quite whether that's allowed nowadays or not. Um, and so I sat in the interview, and I was confident. I was like, yeah, I'm assured. I've got, yeah, I've got faith for this. I'm, I'm, I think this is a good fit. This is something that will grow me in my role. It will help me to use uh, some of the experience I've got and the gifts that I've got. I'm quite excited. And... Um, and, and so um, I, I got the job uh, because I kind of knew I was going to get it. But there was an element of, well, I had to go through the process in order uh, to satisfy the requirements. And then, actually, a third one, I should have said three. The third one was the last day, uh, well, not quite the last day, but one of the last days that I worked for this head teacher. And as I um, stood before him in his office, um, I said, look, I'm going to be moving on I'm going to Bible college to train I've really enjoyed teaching but I feel this is because of my faith what I need to do next what God seems to be calling in me into to take a step of faith out of my current environment and into a new one that's quite unknown I don't know whether I'm gonna have a job I've just got a mortgage I just had our first child Ethan but I feel this is right and he turned around and said to me I wish I had your faith and over the years, he had said to me as I was a, uh, assistant head of year that, um, that he was really glad that I was expressing my faith at school through the assemblies that I took or through the way that I supported the Christian union. And he was very much for that. But he openly said, oh, I just I have some faith, but I wish I had your faith. Um, but he would also quite readily point to other teachers and say, oh, just great that those teachers are running art club or running sports or running music groups and and actually what became apparent was he kind of put faith in a similar category to music sport or art Uh, one of those things that people maybe learn about and are passionate about and then do rather than something so much more which is probably why we are all here on a Sunday morning We know that it's more than just another club, just another activity. And at the heart of that is faith. So the question is, what is faith? And why why did my head teacher say to me, I wish I had your faith? I wish I had your faith. Did he think that my faith was just big and um, something because of the sort of person I was that was, I, I was led that way? Or was it something that he too could share? he didn't really take the steps that were required to share that faith, at least as far as I'm aware. Maybe he has since. And as we think about this word faith at the start of this new series, it's really important that we know what we're thinking about, talking about, and this word that we're using. And we're going to discover, actually, that other than this sermon, where I'm talking generally about faith, that faith is best described through people's lives in action. And so these Old Testament characters that we're going to look at each week, are going to display people living by faith in different ways that hopefully will bring challenge encouragement and help us to think about what it might look like for us to live by faith but culturally faith is actually fairly positively received at the moment i don't think whereas maybe in the past it might have been challenged a bit more faith faith currently i think is viewed quite positively um, there's a lot of talk about believing in yourself have faith in yourself uh, be who you are you're great you're awesome you can do it you can achieve it just be positive just be sure of yourself be confident and full of faith and it will all work out that's the kind of cultural message about faith but our faith's a bit different to that isn't it because we are called to have faith that is grounded in something like Efa was sharing at the start of the service grounded in history grounded in a person Grounded in um, written manuscripts that we look at and have come to believe, if we follow Jesus, that they are reliable. So biblical faith is a bit different than the cultural view of faith, which is this positivity, this assurance in who you are and what you can achieve. Biblical faith is not in something, it's in someone. And as we look at Hebrews, we'll discover that and we'll see how biblical faith is placed in christ just like sarah was saying at the start of the service and as we look to that we can grow in faith we can enjoy having a relationship with god in faith and see the impact that has on our lives and on other lives and maybe people will say to us i wish i had your faith and hopefully you guys will be better than i was at being able to say well you can you can have my faith, Because actually my faith isn't about the size of my faith or the experiences that I've had. It's about looking to Jesus. So faith in its simplest form is looking to Jesus. And Hebrews chapter 11 is where we're going to spend the next eight weeks or so. We're going to get to know it well. We're going to hear it read various times and not all of it, but bits of it. And we're going to get to know some of these Bible heroes and discover that they're not just on this great pedestal that we can never be like but actually they were pretty ordinary some of them maybe less so, but most of them were pretty ordinary and relatable and people that we can learn from and people that maybe were types of christ people that point us to look to christ and as we do that just before i d- dive into a few of the first verses in chapter 11 uh, chapter 10 verse 36 to 39 really begin This whole by faith series that the writer to Hebrews is 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 writing about and the whole book has begun has been building this picture of faith what does it look like to have faith and it seems like faith is something that is persistent that perseveres through struggles and hardships so if you're thinking well I'm just wavering I'm just feeling like it's gonna be quite hard living by faith this year then that's okay join you're in good company. The, the people that this book was written to were people that needed encouragement, people that were losing heart and weary and wavering and tempted to be led astray. And so this is for us. And um, just at the end of chapter 10 in verse 36, this is, what, this is what we find. If I can turn the page of my Bible. There we go. Uh, you need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. So perseverance leading to receiving what God has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And, and but my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith. And are saved so faith looks like not shrinking back it looks like persevering it looks like somebody who keeps going when it's hard and doesn't stop trusting because they know that a promise is going to come good that it's going to work out and so the hope is based on someone and his character and his actions that are fully reliable on the faithful god that sarah mentioned earlier So we're called to be this people of faith that are saved by faith, persevering in faith, and receiving what he has promised. And then we get to chapter 11, and and we find an increase in the examples of what that looks like. And so those opening verses really help us because they begin to define faith for us a bit, don't they? Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see this is what the ancients were commended for so we're going to spend most of the series thinking about what the ancients were commended for but we're going to start really by grasping what faith is and i've tried to work my kind of points so that it helps you remember this might fail okay um we'll see whether in a few days time or a week's time or a month's time anyone's remembered this but you know grace god's riches at christ's expense Or um, recently I've used a few times that, and I think others have, that what sin means. Um, Shove off, I'm in charge, no rules for me. Well, I've come up with one for faith, all right? And we'll see whether, it's not quite so catchy, but we'll go with it. And so I'm going to tell you what they are. If you're writing notes, get ready. If not, then it might just stick. It might be really good. Or you might go, oh, you're going to have to work at this next time. So firmly assured, that's the F. Actively seeking intentionally pleasing, throwing off sin, hallelujahs as we run the race. Okay, so it's not really one-word, it's little phrases. Thank you, James. Thank you. Yes, I get a round of applause, a slight one. Um, by the end, hopefully, you'll be, you'll be seeing why these phrases or these words are what faith is about. And as we do that, we'll see what it looks like to be a disciple, what it looks like to be people that live by faith practically and showing it in a world that needs people to live by faith. And maybe you're here and you're actually quite new to this and you've not really, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, you wouldn't call yourself a disciple, someone that has faith in Jesus. And I want to say at the start, that's fine. Because we were all there at some point. And the key thing, as we'll discover, is that um, we grow In our journey of faith so firstly firmly assured firmly assured and whether you feel firmly assured in your faith or not uh, this seems to be the definition from the first verse now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see so the words that we have here are confidence and assurance not in yourself Not in your own abilities or knowledge, but in what we hope for and what we do not see. So something that's invisible. It's not like the chair. Do we put faith in a chair to keep us up? Well, we can see it. We kind of know enough about engineering and ergonomics to think, yeah, that should work. But this is something that's unseen. We don't see God in front of us or Jesus. Faith is confidence in what we hope for, seeing Jesus one day, being with him one day. And assurance, even when we don't see him. So how do we have confidence? How do we have assurance? How do we have hope? These are the words that are used to to describe and define faith for us right here. And what we discover is that it's confidence in Jesus alone. And that's because faith accepts God's word. So if we, we have faith in what we hope for, then that hope must have been explained or revealed or shown. And these were Christians that were being written to. And so we we too in this group would say, well, yeah, we've seen a revelation of God through the pages of scripture, through the gospels in the person of Jesus Christ. And so as God has revealed himself, we put our hope in that revelation, in that this is who Jesus is, the man that lived, that uh, performed miracles, that healed, that then um, by the will of God obediently died on a cross and was raised to new life. This is the one whom we put our faith in and our hope in and our confidence in. So we can be firmly assured. That doesn't mean, oh, well, you're just a really good Christian that's got a strong faith. We're firmly assured because Jesus is someone that we can put our trust in. Faith accepts God's word. God's word is says that the word become flesh and dwelt among us and as we put our faith in him we are saved i'm going to give you one um, example from the old testament in this it's not an individual it's a community of people and in numbers 21 we get quite an interesting story where um the people of israel have have the exodus has happened they're wandering around the wilderness and they're grumbling like we often do actually At least I often do. And they're grumbling. They're saying, oh, I'm bored of the food. I'm thirsty. Why didn't we stay in Egypt? We had it better then. Well, they didn't really. They were slaves in Egypt. They were oppressed. But that's their memory and their recollection. And as they're wandering around um, doing this and they're moaning and they're miserable and they're not exercising faith in God who had rescued them, this is what happens. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. Wow, that's quite extreme, isn't it? Um, That's what happened. They bit the people and many Israelites died, as venomous snakes tend to do. The people came to Moses and said, we sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake, put it on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake they lived wow so the people were bitten by these snakes um, that were sent by God because of their unfaithfulness and their grumbling and moaning and sinning and the only way to prevent themselves being bitten and dying was to look at this snake that was a bronze serpent on a pole and somehow kind of in faith, looking at this bronze snake on a pole, healed them, protected them, saved them. And then we get this in John chapter 3, just before probably the most famous verse in the whole Bible. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the man must be lifted, son of man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him for god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life so this incident in the old testament is right before that well-known verse for those that put their faith that believe in jesus are saved what is faith look to jesus and you are saved That's how we can be firmly assured if we're a Christian and how we can accept God's word. Because by doing that, we experience salvation, the forgiveness of sins, peace that Sarah was talking about, life with him, the hope of heaven. But as well as faith uh, being something that is about accepting God's word as written in the Bible, it also wins God's approval. In verse two of Hebrews, it said, this is what the ancients were commended for. So the people that put faith in God in hard times, in ordinary times, in the circumstances that they lived in, they were commended. They are being commended through this book. They're being approved. So it wins God's approval. So we know that faith is something that pleases God, delights him, and is something that means we can be accepted into his presence by not only that, but it also recognizes God's power. In verse 3, uh, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was, was visible. Huge questions probably come up in your mind along with that statement. I'm not going to dive into uh, creation narratives and the, uh, the faith of uh, God creating out of nothing. Uh, and yet, here we have it, faith in God's majestic power. So how can you be firmly assured today, this week, this year, in your faith? What are my next steps for this? How am I expecting to be changed by his spirit as I accept this word? Well, I want to be a confident disciple. And what a prayer that could be for all of us, to be confident disciples. People that firmly believe in Jesus as our saviour. That is the starting point for faith. That firmly believe his death on a cross, his resurrection is enough. We haven't got to add stuff to it. We haven't got to um, understand every part of it. We just need faith to look to Jesus. And that gives us a settled confidence. When I was talking about um, being on that interview, um, in that interview with my head teacher, I had a settled confidence. Because I kind of had faith in what he had said before. Because he had said... Yeah, not you'll get the job, but yeah, do the interview. I think this would be a great fit. I read between the lines. Um, And yet for us, taking that approach to our God, our Father, is so important. That settled confidence. I trust you've done a saving work. I trust that your death is enough. And that begins to transform our lives. So firmly assured Secondly, actively seeking. And if you look at verse six, if you've got a Bible, this is how we see that faith is also about actively seeking. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So twice in that verse, we get this idea of actively seeking. Anyone who comes to him must believe so coming to God seeking God and maybe you're here and and you've 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 not come to the point of faith yet but you are coming to church or you're reading stuff in your own time or maybe you can think back to a time when you came to faith you came to God you thought about believing in the existence of God you thought about the reliability of the gospels but as well as that he rewards those who earnestly seek him So this isn't something right you become a christian and you just sit back no there's an earnest seeking a sincere desire to know god to in faith get to know him more and grow in your relationship with him and and as we do that we discover that that is a pleasing thing to him It pleases God to have this kind of faith that is an earnest seeking. And again, maybe you're here thinking, actually, my faith feels pretty wobbly. It's wavering. It's not as strong as yours. It's not as experienced as other people. I don't get all the Bible. Well, join the club. None of us do. We don't get it all. We will all have questions throughout our lives. And that's okay because we're not saved by knowing all the answers, but by faith alone we're not saved by being like abraham and moses and doing all these great by faith actions yes a life of faith leads to great actions of faith but we're not saved by it we haven't got to try and match up to people that we know that are maybe our mentors or spiritual role models but we do need to come closer to jesus and actively seek him and what does that look like this year for me I want to be praying, as well as being a confident disciple, that I'd be a closer disciple. I'd get closer to Jesus. And maybe for me, that's different to what it is for you. Maybe for you, that looks like encouraging um, your family to read the Bible together. Maybe for you, that looks like reading an apologetics book or um, going to the apologetics morning that Aoife talked about. To figure out some of these answers to the big questions of life. Maybe it looks like joining the Hope Explored course that I'll be starting in a few weeks' time. This is a new course, just three weeks long, but asking questions about hope and peace and purpose. Figuring out what Jesus' life and death and resurrection really means. Maybe it's the start of your journey in discovering what it looks like to have faith. Where are you at? Where are you wanting to go this year spiritually? faith living by faith looks like getting closer to jesus so firmly assured actively seeking intentionally pleasing i I love this verse verse six i think is so encouraging it says without faith it's impossible to please god so it's the million dollar question is it how do you please god how do you know that when you meet god he's pleased with you How, how do you know what he feels towards you. So often we go through life fearing God, feeling guilt, being unsure whether we've lived well enough, whether we've done enough to cross the line. Well, this verse says it's very simple. The only way you can be able to cross that line, the only way that you can stand before God and smile when he looks at you and not shudder and shrink back in fear is to live by faith, is to have faith, is to look to God in faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. However many nice things you do, how much stuff you know, it's not enough. It's not what God is after. Because what he desires is us to live by faith. And that brings him delight, pleasure. It pleases him. And what a starting place for living out our faith with God this year, to think, Actually, yeah, I may or may not be fully confident, disciple. I may or may not be drawing closer at the moment. I can intend to. But regardless to those two things, I know that I'm a cherished disciple. I am valued. I am loved. God looks at me with pleasure. Because in spite of my sin, in spite of my wrongs, in spite of my failings and lack of faith often... I'm looking to him in faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But the great news is you can be a cherished disciple because God loves you deeply. I um, had a a big birthday over Christmas, some of you may know. Um, And uh, what I loved about it, actually, was not particularly the gifts that I got or um, you know, the activities even that I did, which were very funny and enjoyable, but was the fact that I felt cherished by my, my family, by my brothers, by those that I was with. I felt like they had taken time to think about what I would like to do and eat <laughs> and, um, and receive as a gift, uh, that they would take time to write words that meant something. I felt cherished. And it transformed my feeling on the day as being one that wasn't about, oh, no, I'm 40 now, but actually it's okay. I feel loved. I feel valued. I feel cherished by those closest to me. Now, if we can do that for one another as friends and family, just think for a minute how much God does that to us, the the people that he created, to know him, that he delights in you today. That it's not about the size of your faith, but it's just looking to Him in faith, and He cherishes you. And that leads to the response that looks like this. And I'm going to jump now to chapter 12 uh, and verse 1. And it says in chapter 12, verse 1, as was read for us um, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin. That so easily entangles, and let us persevere in the race marked out for us. Throw off the sins. So we've got firmly assured, see if I can remember them, I can't. Firmly assured, actively seeking, intentionally pleasing. The T is this throwing off sin. Throwing off sin is an act of faith in itself, because it's saying, I trust you, Jesus, that you're enough, but because that's so true, and because uh, you cherish me, all I can do is live for you, and that looks like throwing off the sin, turning away from the temptations that I face, saying no to the things that I only take temporary satisfaction in anyway, and that don't do it, and actually that offend God, that upset God, that grieves the Holy Spirit and so we're not driven to legalism and doing right things and keeping rules we're not driven or tempted towards being liberal and doing what we want because god's forgiven us and gracious but we're compelled to a life that pleases him and we're compelled to a life that pleases him by dealing with the stuff in our life that we hate that is a mess that we get frustrated by. And so faith looks like throwing off sin. And that's because our goal is perfection. You know, we've got, God gives us high standards here. Uh, we're not going to achieve it this side of heaven. But that's the goal, that's the destination, that's where we're heading. Because in verse uh, 39, just the preceding verse to the one I read in chapter 11, uh, 39 and 40, it says, These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us. So that only together with, with us would they be made perfect. So the greats of the past will be made perfect when they meet Jesus face to face with us. If our goal is to be made perfect then the journey matters. We're not going to live a life of sin and do what we want and not really caring about growing in our faith because that's contrary to the goal of our life that God has set out for us, perfection. And so we're committed to holiness, a holy sweat in the race. We're committed to persevering when it's hard, to running when we just want to walk or even stop, to keep going. And so how does that work in our day-to-day life as a disciple as a person wanting to go closer to jesus somebody that wants to be um, confident in their faith and knows that they're cherished well it looks like being a good confessor being able to be a confessing disciple someone that admits their failings that says they've got things wrong to a close friend to a spouse to a child to a colleague whoever it might be but certainly to god and so faith looks like being able to say, sorry, I admit I got that wrong. I've got some close friends that are far better at this than I am. And they'd often, um, you know, when we'd meet, we'd meet for a walk and a talk. And really what that meant is we'd, we'd ask the hard questions. And I was always a bit uncomfortable. No, they're going to ask me hard questions. I'm going to have to confess where I've messed up. But I know that's good for me. Um, And I know that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So I believe that. But if I'm going to take that at its word, at God's word to heart, then I've got to be able to confess. And they, some of my friends that I've met with over the years, have been great role models to me in how to confess and go, it's okay to admit you've got something wrong because God's grace is enough. So it looks like being a confessing disciple. And then lastly, um, throwing off sin, and then the H, hallelujah, uh, we've got there. H, hallelujahs as we run the race. And that's hard, isn't it? To keep going when you've got this holy sweat pouring off your forehead, when you're tired, when it's just not just hard work, but internally challenging, draining. But to be able to say i rejoice in the lord i thank god for his greatness and we get that in verse 2 and 3 of chapter 12 and it says this um, in chapter 12 verse 2 and 3 let us run with perseverance fixing our eyes on jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith for the joy Set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So, if we're not to grow weary, if we're not to lose heart, we need an attitude change and, and an approach that is one of being more like a hallelujah than an oh, "I'm going to give up." It's a rejoicing joy, not a fake happiness. I didn't want to use the word happiness because that's just too superficial and it wasn't enough. Hallelujah is a recognition of praising God, whatever you're going through, whatever trauma, whatever challenge, whatever problem at work, whether with your health, whether finances, being able to rejoice in the Lord, being able to say hallelujah along the race. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, whatever I am going through. And that actually is a sign of faith. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. So, what is the fruit of your faith? If there's joy, it's going to come from faith. And so, if we're joyless, we need to look at a serious take, take a serious look at ourselves. A joyless church is probably a faithless church. A joyful church, I imagine, would be a faithful church a faithful church having and putting faith in jesus not themselves looking to jesus and acting in faith one day at a time so just as i close things up and we move into some response I think there's at least three faith builders that we can go away from here having in our mind and the first is this cloud of witnesses and we're going to explore that cloud of witnesses those commendable ancient people in the coming seven weeks but there's also you and me the community of witnesses that we're sat around today we need to be telling stories of faith to one another just like sarah shared earlier as you have a coffee why not Give an example to someone. As you meet in life group, why not share stories to start the evening of what God is doing in your life? As you message people or as you, whatever form of communication you do, how can we share stories of faith with one another? So as well as this cloud of witnesses, we've got a community that we're together with. And we want to have increasing space for in our services, actually, to get, give space for people to stand up and share a story that is for everyone to be encouraged by. And if you've got a story of encouragement, if you've got a a word that's relevant, if you've got something to share that will be a faith builder for the community that meet, then please come and speak to me or whoever's leading the service. We want to share stories. And then finally, we want to fix our mind on Jesus, our future hope. And as we do that, whatever is ahead this year, it's going to be okay. Because we don't look to ourselves, we look to Jesus one day at a time. I'm going to pray, and then the band will lead us. Heavenly Father, we look to you in faith today. We pray that you would grow our faith, that it would be more confident in you, firmer. That it would be more active, shown and seen by others. That we would draw closer to you earnestly that we would know you cherish us deeply. So would we live in a way that is intentionally pleasing to you? And I pray as well that we would know how to deal with the sin and the rubbish in our lives that so often we get so full of guilt with. Maybe, know we're not condemned, but we're forgiven. And I pray as well that we would be a people that are joyful in our celebration. Lord Jesus, for any here that are on that start of the journey, I pray that you, by your grace, would reveal a bit more so that they can look in faith to you. In Jesus' name, amen.